0: come to church and it's dark out. I think it scares some of our folks off. I mean, it's like dark out. And then of course today in the seventies, tomorrow it will be 44. And then I think next week it hits 82. And then the next few days it goes down to 40. You got to walk by faith in Texas. Amen. Now we're looking at the gifts of the spirit and uh, we're going to be talking tonight about the power gifts. Uh, how many of you like seeing the power gifts operate right? Power gifts. I just like the sound of that. power gifts. But now that, uh, as we're going to be looking at them, I want you to be thinking about uh, this question. You know, I can sit here and I can teach till Jesus comes, but it doesn't do any good unless it's what you hear is mixed with faith. And then we begin to walk in it. Like, let me ask you a key question before we pray over the the, the message and, and get going on it. Um, when was the last time you moved in a gift of the Spirit? When was the last time? Now, last week, we, we looked at the uh, revelation gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, right? Okay, so we heard that. Now, tonight, the power gifts, the gift of faith, uh, the gift of miracles, and so on and so forth. And, and, and we're going to be looking at how God moves. Gift of healing. Uh, when was the last time... A gift of the Spirit moved through you. I want you to be thinking about that. So well, that's for you to do. You're the one up there, you do all that. No, my calling is to convince you that you're to do that. All right? So so I want you to be thinking as I go over these, these gifts tonight, when was the last time the Holy Spirit prodded you and you stepped out in faith and you saw God move via a gift of the spirit through your life. Because again, if we don't mix what we hear with faith and obedience, what good does it do? You know, we, we're hearers, but not doers. We, you know, I learned a long time ago that, that it, it's dangerous to hear truth. Because if you hear truth, then you're responsible for what you know. So in a, in in a way... Ignorance really is bliss because you don't have to answer for anything. But, 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 hey, here, if you go to church here, you're going to hear the Bible every time we meet. You're going to hear truth. Yeah. But then the question is, what am I doing with it? I'm responsible for what I heard. Amen? Amen. Amen. Information brings inspiration. And so I hope tonight we're inspired once we get the information. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have given to the church for our edification, exhortation, and comfort. And Lord, I just pray that this is not just a a good teaching that we hear and we go home and say, well, wasn't that a good word? But then we never move in it. I'm asking you, Lord, to literally put a fire under us to move in it to step out in it, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his promptings and his proddings and his impulses when he speaks to our heart, that we would step out in it and obey the Spirit and allow him to use us. Lord, you've gifted everyone in this room that's a believer in Jesus Christ. I pray that tonight it flows And we begin to see an increase in manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit moving through us as we obey you. And we thank you for it right now. Now, I want you to pray with me and say, Lord, help me to walk in the truth I hear. And to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can use in season and out of season. Not just in the four walls of the church, but out there in public, in the highways and hedges. That that I would be a vessel that the Holy Spirit uses in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to say with me, that was a dangerous prayer. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that was a dangerous prayer. Amen. Well, we're going to talk tonight for the second week in a row now, the nine gifts of the, the Spirit. I call them the big nine because most of you know about these more than any of the other gifts. And, but we saw in the first uh, session we had together over this that you can count at least 21 spiritual gifts in the New Testament. 21. But the ones we know most about are these nine that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. But hang on because when we're finished with these next time, then I'm going to go into uh, the other gifts and, and tell you what they are. And uh, man, if we don't come out at this, this session and this series moving in the gifts, then God may just come and spank us, amen, because we need to be, we need to be moving in the gifts. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Let's go ahead and read about the nine gifts. Here's Paul to them to the Corinthian church, the most gifted church in the New Testament. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, meaning many kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities, different kinds of activities, which means manifestations. But it's the same God who is working all of them. It's the same God behind all of them. Then he lists them, starting in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Notice how he wants us to know. These all come from the very same Holy Spirit. All right? Many gifts, one Spirit. Now, verse, verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, faith gifts of healings by the same spirit, and to another, the working of miracles. Now, that's the three we're going to be on tonight, Uh, faith, healing, and miracles. But here's the last three, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, and to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as who wills? As he wills. Say, as he wills. Who's the he? Who's the personal pronoun pointing to? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not a force or an it or some ethereal fog that comes into a place. No, the Holy Spirit has a personality. He can grieve. He can rejoice. He can feel angry, Um, the Holy Spirit has a will, he distributes to the body of Christ the gifts of the Spirit as he decides. Now Peter, and, and in other places in the New Testament, it's clearly taught that when you and I are saved and the Spirit comes to live inside of us, then and there the Holy Spirit gives to each of us at least one gift. As you have, Peter said, as you have received the gift or a gift, so minister it to one another. That's Peter. So as you have received at least a singular gift, minister it to one another. So you may not feel gifted. You may not have, have seen a gift manifest in your life yet. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. It may be dormant. But it's there. And we want to stir it up tonight. Amen? Amen? We're going to stir it up in this series. So we shared last time that the nine gifts can be listed into three categories. And here they are. Revelation gifts. Dealt with them last week. Wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits. Power gifts we deal with tonight. Faith, healing, miracles. Then there's the utterance gifts we're going to deal with next time. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. These are gifts of utterance. Now this time, we're going to look at the power gifts. Faith, healing, and miracles. So let's look first at the gift of faith. What is the gift of faith? Because we all have faith. How many of you can say, I got saved by faith? Right? I got saved by faith. All right, so we all have faith, so Every child of God was born again by faith. Paul said, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.10. So, um, what then does Paul mean by the gift of faith? If we've all got faith, then, then what is the difference between the faith we already got and what he calls a gift of faith? Let me look at it this way. Saving faith is the faith that gets you into heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. I just quoted it. um, By grace you're saved through faith. By grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift. It's a gift. A total gift. So saving faith gets you into heaven. The fruit of faith, because it's one of the fruits of the spirit, is faith that gets heaven into you. Saving faith gets you into heaven, but the fruit of faith gets heaven into you. Because as you're walking and abiding in the vine, that's all we're called to do. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much what? Fruit. What is the fruit of the spirit? It is what heaven looks like. It is what Jesus looked like. It is what Jesus is. The fruit of the Spirit encapsulates the character of of Jesus Christ. So the more I love, the more I have joy and walk in peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and kindness and faith, what am I doing? Heaven is coming into me. I'm beginning to think more like heaven, talk more like heaven, walk more like heaven, act more like somebody from heaven, how many, of you, how many of you can say that before I knew Jesus, I acted like somebody was from somewhere else? Matter of fact, some people said that about you. You're a hellion. You ever been called a hellion? I have. Long time ago. Way long ago. Don't sweat it. It was a long time ago. But you know what I'm saying. Wh- whichever king you're under, that's who you're going to look like. All right? All right? That's who you're going to act like. So when we got saved, we switched kingdoms. This is so important. I've been doing a personal study on the kingdom of God. And I can't tell you how it's blessing me. Because do you know that Jesus said that phrase, kingdom of God, more than 102 times? Do you know that most of his parables are about the kingdom of God? Do you know when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, if I were to ask you, okay, since he told us to seek it, what is it? What is it? Kingdom of God. Well, most Christians would draw a blank. Well, I don't know. I just, he just told me to seek it. Well, how can you seek what you don't know what it is? How can you seek it if you don't know what it is? But the fact is, just bottom line basic, when we got saved, we switched kingdoms. He translated He translated us from the kingdom of darkness that had a king, the devil, and he translated us into the kingdom of Of God's dear son. He's the king. Now when you switch kings. Then you switch the way you live. The way you live. The way you walk and talk. Everything changes. Because now you're under a different king. Who requires different things. And we want to be under the rule. Of the king of our kingdom. And that's Jesus Christ. So the fruit of faith. Is faith that gets heaven into you. As you walk under the rule of Jesus Christ, the king of our kingdom, we bring forth this fruit and it brings heaven into us. But the gift of faith, there's saving faith, the fruit of faith, then there's the gift of faith. The gift of faith grows out of saving faith and the fruit of faith. Let me tell you something about faith tonight. Faith is not static. Faith either grows or weakens. Faith is exactly like a muscle. If you work out, your muscles are going to get stronger, bigger, right? Even notice these guys work out all the time. They wear, wear T-shirts when it's 30 degrees out because they want you to see what they've accomplished. You know? Sorry, Corey, I wasn't talking about you there. Huh? All right. Now, here's the deal. Um, faith Grows, but listen to me, church, or it weakens. It doesn't stay. Do your muscles stay the way they are uh, for a year, two years? If you never work out, do they stay exactly the same? No. They get flabby, they weaken, they atrophy, and you get you get saggy. I, I know, that's the big nightmare. You look in the mirror and you go, what happened to that mirror? Not me. What happened to that mirror? Is, is there something wrong with the wall and it's bending the mirror? No, it's you. So if you don't work it, what's the old phrase? Use it or lose it. Faith is exactly the same way. If you don't exercise it and strengthen it, it's going to go the other direction. So let me show you an example. Paul wrote of the Thessalonians. He said, we are bound to thank God always for you as it is fitting. Because your faith grows how, everybody? Exceedingly. These people were on an upward climb. They were were knocking it out of the park as far as their, their faith getting stronger. It was growing exceedingly. And we're also told about the Thessalonians, they were poor. They didn't have money. Yet they gave generously, abundantly. They even literally begged for the opportunity to give because their faith was growing exceedingly. Now, now let's test ourselves. I'm asking myself this as well. Is my faith growing exceedingly? Is your faith growing exceedingly? Is it, going, is it going up or is it going down? Is it getting stronger or is it getting weaker? Now, God is faithful to allow trials to come into our life because if I never had a problem, I'd never know God could solve them. And I never know what faith in his word could do. He allows trials into our life like, like bench presses. And and it makes us get into the word. It makes us go into the place of prayer. It makes us lay hold of God. It makes us lay hold of the promises. And when we're going through these trials, we don't like them. They don't feel good. No chastening for the moment is joyous but grievous. But afterward, everybody say with me, it yields. What does it yield? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. It yields. And it strengthens your faith. So the gift of faith grows out of saving faith and the fruit of faith. We are called to be people whose faith is always growing. Always growing. Amen. Now, the gift of faith not only operates in healings and in miracles, but in the realm of the impossible as well. That's the gift of faith. Now we're talking about a level of faith that is in the stratosphere. It's way up there. And it's a gift. And it operates not just in healings, not just in miracles, but in the realm of the impossible as well. Things that would be utterly impossible for men are achieved when a believer operates in the gift of faith. I'm going to give you some examples of the gift of faith in the Bible. You read chapter 11 of Hebrews. It's called the hall of faith. And it describes those whose faith was absolutely extraordinary enabling them to do extraordinary superhuman things. The gift of faith will will enable you to reach for things and achieve things and believe for things that you would never do if the gift did not come upon you by the distribution of the Holy Spirit. For instance, we see Noah. Noah, the guy blows my mind. Because he spent 120 years building a gigantic boat. When up to that time, it had never rained. Did you know that? A mist came up from the ground and watered all the vegetation. It had never rained. There had never been clouds that dropped rain on the ground in Noah's day. And yet God says, I want you to build me a great, big, huge boat. Because I'm going to judge the world by a flood. And water is going to come out of the sky. And he believed it. The guy received a gift of faith, and he started building, and he built for 120 years, going through 120 years of mockery and ridicule, undertaking a totally impossible task, but Noah had to believe by a gift of faith, this is possible with God. This is possible with God. God, how in the world, once it's done, are you going to get all these animals in here? But you know what? One day, when the the ark was finished, the animals just started coming. Two by two just started coming. They started walking out of the woods or wherever. Elephants, bears, lions, you name it. Porcupines, skunks, mongooses. I mean, you name it. Leopards, tigers. They all came walking out And up to the ark and walked into it as if guided by an invisible hand. And the man, Noah, was standing there watching it all take place by faith. I mean, folks, do you realize how much faith this took? Now, if I'm those people out there in the villages and I've seen him building an ark for 120 years and I've been skeptical, but then I start seeing all these animals walk in, walk into the door, I'm believing here goes two elephants. Here goes all these creatures, rhinoceros. I mean, you name it. And, and they all walked in. You say, Jeff, do you really believe that? Listen, I, I totally believe it. If I believe that God can speak and make everything that was not it to, to be by the power of his word, then of course I believe he could lead a man to build a boat that could hold two of every species for a great flood, and then they replenished after the flood. Of course. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isn't that what the prophet asked? Now, so that's a gift of faith. We find Abraham believing he would father a child when his wife's natural ability to do so had ended. I mean, women don't have children at 90. And most of you women in here are thinking, hallelujah. (laughs) Right? Hallelujah. I mean, because that's not the way I want to get old. But Abraham had to believe God. And, and you know what? For 25 years, the man was tested. And he walked in the gift of faith. And when he was 100 and Sarah was 90, she brought him incredible news. Honey, I am pregnant. And man, I'm telling you, they had a party that day. And you know what happened? Isaac was born. Of course I believe that. Absolutely. But without the special gift of, the, of faith, Abraham would never have been able to believe for this. By the gift of faith, Moses stretched out his rod to watch the Red Sea miraculously part, allowing the children of Israel to pass through. Pass through. Do you do? You, have you ever stopped to think what that means? The Red Sea. A great wind from the east, I believe, came and hit that water so hard that it split from side to side like a great big giant highway, and and it dried up the ground underneath, and they walked through with walls of water, glistening water, shining and glistening on either side of them that could have come in at any moment and drowned them, but it didn't because it was being held back by God? Come on. Everybody say gift of faith. And let's don't forget, the Bible says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Quench the violence of fire. They went into a burning fiery oven, but they were not burned by faith. Daniel stopped the mouths of lions by faith. And in the New Testament, by the gift of faith, Paul, the apostle sent out handkerchiefs and aprons that drove out demons and healed the sick. And he didn't charge you for them. He didn't say send a love offering. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in. Listen. If you are charged for it, it's not real. Don't waste your money. If you're charged for it, it's a scam. Now, that's free. I'm just throwing that out there. But he did. And and people who were possessed of devils and desperately ill, when they touched the handkerchief or the apron that Paul sent, and I studied this once, it was the, the clothes that he worked in as a tent maker, they were sweaty. They had the sweat of the apostle on them. I'm not saying that's what healed them, but I'm saying it was personal stuff. It's all that he had. So he prayed over it and sent it. And think of it. A demon-possessed person took hold of it, and the devil came out of them. That's the gift of faith. By faith, Peter's shadow, passing over the demon-possessed and the sick in the streets, brought healing and deliverance to them. They brought the sick and the diseased and lined them up on the curb so that when Peter walked by, his shadow, just touching the sick, would heal them. That's the gift of faith. Christians with the gift of faith are so convinced that all obstacles to the gospel and to God's purposes will be overcome, and so confident that God will secure the advancement of his cause that they will often do far more in the promotion of his kingdom than the most talented and gifted preachers and teachers ever will because they have the gift of faith. Now, I was thinking about this today, and I can tell you in humility because I'm nothing, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I'm just saved by Christ. But God has led me through the years to do many works in his name. And I can look back and I can see now in retrospect that the gift of faith was upon me. And I wasn't even aware of it. In building churches, this building, this church, when we got this building, if I showed you pictures of when we got this building or if I had brought you up to this building when we first got it, You would have laid hands on me, and anointed me with enough oil to slide me into the next room, and you would have prayed that God would grace me greatly because you were looking at something that was going to take millions of dollars to renovate, and and it was just a mess. But you know what? I can look back and say I didn't see it. I didn't see it. What I saw was what was going to be. That's what I saw. What was going to be. My elders. One of them's here tonight. He took me aside. I'll say his name, Frank. He took me aside and he said, come on, pastor, we we can do better than this. And I said, but Frank, don't you see it? He said, pastor, I I don't see anything. And and that's why it says don't lean on your staff. That's a joke. You'll get it tomorrow. Don't lean too hard on your staff. It may, but he he was saying to me, I don't see it. I mean, look at this. It's a mess. I said, I know, but I don't see it. Now I wasn't aware, but the gift of faith was on me. The Lord anointed me with the gift of faith because all I saw was what sh- would be, what would be. I saw the people, I saw the building, so much so that we did an architectural rendi- rendering, and I, I, of what of what I believe we would see and experience and possess. And and I came in. I came in just just. Going 100 miles an hour, just grabbing, just grabbing the promises, believing God, and I never, never, I'm, I'm just telling you, never did I have a doubt fit. Now, I look back, and maybe now if you brought me up to this building, I'd fall apart. But you see, when the gift of faith is on you, then, then you don't have Uh, You don't have major consternation about a thing. You believe that God is going to do it. You just know he's going to do it. It's not a hope so, maybe so, perhaps so. It's a no so. You know God is going to do it. You know he's going to do it. And, 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 And he did it. He did it. Millions of dollars later, he did it. And he's still doing it. And he's not near done. We're not near done. Not near done. In today's church, we need the gift of faith operating badly. We need champions of God that have walked through the fire, traversed some valleys, have grown in their faith to the place that they can do miraculous exploits for God. So everybody say gift of faith. So so if God really has something for you that he wants you laying hold of, he'll drop onto you the gift of faith and you will just believe no matter what you see or hear or what others say, it does not matter. It's as real to you as the seat you're sitting in. Amen. Amen. Amen? You greet it before it ever arrives. Hey there! Who are you talking to, Jeff? Well, I'm not, no, nothing's there right now, but I see it. So I'm greeting the church I see before it ever arrives. I know it's coming, so I'm just greeting it now. Right? Am I right? This is right. This is the way it works. So that's the gift of faith. It's supernatural. The second power gift is the gifts of healings. Now, I want you to notice that in 1 Corinthians 12, it's plural gifts. The gifts, plural, of healing. Charismata is the plural plural form of charisma. Charisma is the word for gift. And charismata is the plural. The plural is here. It means grace endowments, plural. In other words, when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, it's the grace of God doing it. They are endowments of grace. We're talking about healing now. So what is the gifts, plural, of healing? Let me give you a simple definition. Gifts of healing are supernatural enablements given to a believer to minister various kinds of healing and restoration through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's simple. Supernatural enablements given to a believer. Everybody say, that's me. Supernatural enablements given to a believer to minister various kinds of healing and restoration through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power of positive thinking. The power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power of willpower. The power of the Holy Spirit supernatural enablements given to a believer. What did Jesus say in Mark 16? These signs shall follow those who do what? Believe. Didn't say you got to have a theology degree. Just said believe. Are y'all with me tonight? Believe. So God can use a Christian that's six months old in the Lord or a Christian that's been 50 years in God, but when the gift of healing comes upon somebody, to pray for some other person for healing or restoration. It doesn't matter. He just decides. Remember, the Holy Spirit distributes them as he desires, as he chooses. And and I've I've seen uh, people used in the gift of healing one or two times in their life, and, and then the Holy Spirit chooses to never use them that way again. And I've seen other people who are used a lot in the gift of healing over many years. It's all up, folks, this is what I want to hammer in tonight. It's all up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to the Holy Spirit. What he selects to do, what he selects to put on you or me, to operate in what gift, whatever gift, and release the power of God to the glory of God, it's his choice. Power gifts, like the gifts of healing, were used in the Bible, both to authenticate the message and the messenger of the gospel, the apostles regularly experienced the manifestation of healings. They attested to the fact, the healings did, that God was with the messenger and validating the message. Amen? It's, it's a confirming sign. And it's a gift of healing. It's a gift. Now, there are some today, I got to deal with this, who say that the gift of healing passed away with the apostles. Now I don't slam them for thinking this because I know you can be raised in certain schools of theological thought that that is that is what you're taught and that's what you walk away with. But let me deal with it. In case you've heard it and you're wrestling with, well, I don't think it's real for today. I think it's I, th- I think it's all hokey and I don't think God really does that anymore. It passed away with the apostles because that's what they they teach. They point to verses like 1 Corinthians 13:8 to 10. And I'm going to read it. It says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, gift of the spirit, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, another gift of the spirit, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But here's the kicker, this verse. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part the gifts of the Spirit will be done away. Now, they claim that the perfect thing Paul is referring to when he says that which is perfect has come is the completed canon or the completed word of God. In other words, when John wrote the last verse in the book of Revelation and the Bible was finished, that, they say, is the perfect that was to come. And once the Bible was complete, we no longer needed the gifts. That's what they teach. Well, how do you know that, Jeff? Because I was sitting in those classes. I need a t-shirt. I survived seminary. Right? No, seminary for me was a great experience, but I had to deal with these things. With people who had given their lives to studying the word of God. Brilliant people. They could read Hebrew and Greek forward, backwards, and upside down. So I had to deal with it, but, but I got to tell you, now listen carefully to me. I believe to say that when that, which is perfect has come is referring to the completed Bible is putting the word of God on a bit of a torture rack and stretching, stretching or, or trying to make it say something that for me, it clearly doesn't say it, it just doesn't say that. Because if you say, well, when that which is perfect is come, then the gifts will be done away. That which is in part, the gifts will be done away. You've got to include all nine of them. Well, have we done away with knowledge? Have we done away with wisdom? Have we done away with prophecy, the declaration of truth? No. So you, you choke on that interpretation. So now I agree, one day prophecies, it is a fact. One day prophecies and tongues and knowledge and wisdom and all that will cease, but they will cease because we won't need them anymore because Jesus will have come back. That's the perfect that is to come. When that which is perfect is come... That's the Lord Jesus Christ. When that which is perfect is come. And he hasn't come yet. So until he comes, we need the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing. We need the declaration of prophecy. We need tongues and interpretation. We need those things. So so until then, until Jesus comes... Then the gifts of the Spirit are given to the church for our profit, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, I'm I'm just honestly interpreting the text. And I I don't think, in honesty, really, you can interpret it any other way. To me, it's just as clear as you are to me right now. One more thing regarding healing. I got to say this. There is a teaching out there that says if you pray for somebody to be healed... Or you pray for your own healing and nothing happens. It's the fault of your faith. It's the fault of your, well, you just didn't have enough faith. To me, as a student of the Bible, that is a slap against God. Because where does our faith come from? It comes from God. And so if it comes from God, and I desperately need him to do something, but my faith is not good enough or strong enough to lay hold of it, then God didn't do right by me because he's the author and finisher of my faith. Um, Yeah, I know what, what you're thinking, but Jeff, Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Yes, he did. But he was laying out there a universal principle that without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So all Jesus was doing there is saying, whatever you're going to get from God, you're going to get it by faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. But if we had faulty faith, and that's why somebody's not healed, I want to submit to you that Paul then had faulty faith. Because he writes to Timothy, quote, In 2 Timothy 4, verse 20, but Trophimus have I left at Miletus sick. Wait a minute. Paul, the man of faith and power for the hour, handed out the handkerchiefs and the aprons. Everybody got healed. I mean, Paul. But he said, I left Trophimus in Miletus, the town of Miletus, sick. 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 Trophimus had been a traveling companion of Paul's. He frequently shared with him the perils of rivers and perils of robbers, as he describes in Corinthians. He had been Paul's friend in the gospel, and he was sick. And when Paul departed to another place, Paul did not exercise the gift of healing with him, though he had with many others. He left him sick. What's up with that? Was Paul's faith faulty? I I, I can't say that. No way. He was God's man of faith and power for the hour. He had it going on. He was the guy. So what's up with that? Here's the answer. The only answer is that the gifts of the spirit operate as the spirit leads. Now listen carefully to me. The gifts are subservient to the sovereignty and the will of God. Listen to what Jesus said. And how many of you think Jesus knew how to minister? Do you have a pretty good ministry plan? I'll follow Jesus' ministry plan. Here's what he said. He said, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Now, if he could do nothing by himself, where does that leave us? Listen to what he went on to say. He can do only, read it with me, everybody, what he sees his father doing. Stop there. That's how Jesus ministered. He got up and he started his day this way. Father, I'm walking in your spirit. I'm going where you lead me. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not going to do what you don't tell me to do. I'm not going to presume or assume anything. I'm only going to do what you show me to do, what I see you doing. That's all I'm going to do. That's the extent of my ministry. My ministry is successful as long as I do what I see the Father telling me to do. And I don't go off into presumptuous sin. Well, because he did it here, he'll also do it there. No, in every situation, we are to be subject to the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit because that's how Jesus ministered. And if Jesus did it that way, so must we. Now watch this. Because he finishes the verse, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now I'll give you an example. When Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, There were hundreds of others languishing at that pool, waiting for the waters to stir, who were just as desperate as the man Jesus healed. But Jesus only did what the Father showed him. And he went up to one man. Do you want to be healed? Well, no man is here to carry me to the water. He said, pick up your bed and walk. And he healed him. And they walked away with hundreds sitting there watching this miracle happen, but they all weren't healed, only this one. Now, now we want to say, well, that's not fair. But fair is not even a New Testament principle. Let me tell you something about fair. Life's not fair. One of the best things you can teach your children is early on, honey, sweetie, son, daughter, life's not fair. People are are rotten sometimes. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be, listen, it's a stinking, dark, Veil of tears in this world, and this world is not fair. Life's not fair, and and nobody owes you anything. But watch this now. I like to put it this way. Life's not fair, but God is good. Life's not fair, but God is good. Life's not fair, but God is good. So if you teach them life's not fair, they won't go into the world with this sickening entitlement mentality. The, the the government owes me my parents owe me my friends owe me and then they get married my spouse owes me because i am so wonderful i am so blessed i am so everything i'm the i'm all that in a bag of chips everybody owes me something no nobody owes you and me nothing and life is going to be unfair to you Sometimes you're going to get so mad at life and then you got to say, okay, what, what is my default position here? Yeah, life's not fair, but I know my God and my God is good. And my God all the time checkmates when life is not fair, he steps in and he gives me grace and he gives me power and he gives me blessing and he carries me through <laughs> life's not fair, but God is good. Let's try saying that together. Life's not fair, but God is good. Can we give him a hand of praise tonight? Thank you, Lord. I said all that to say some people are healed and some are not. And when they're not, the last thing I'm going to say to them ever is, well, it's your faith. If you'd had better faith. No, 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 no. The gifts are subject to the sovereignty and will of God. And if they're not healed, uh, listen, the whole world prayed for Kathy. The whole world prayed for my all-time favorite pastor. And, and they both went to heaven. Now, did I walk away from that going, well, I'm mad at God because that's not fair? No. I know too much theology. I know too much Bible. I'm not saying that bragging. I'm just saying I know what the word of God says life's not fair, but God is good and the goodness of God will always carry you through the unfairnesses of life. Amen. Amen. So next time life's not fair, just look at them and say, Lord, this was not fair, but I know you're good and you're going to work this together for my good. So I'm in a win-win situation anyway. Amen. 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 Now, that said, I've seen people dramatically healed. God's ability to heal did not pass away with the apostles. Yet, like all the gifts, the gift of healing is subject to the Spirit's will and choosing. Should we pray for healing? Always. Is everybody healed? No. But likewise, everybody wasn't saved when Billy Graham would preach to a packed stadium. Did he walk away? Because... Uh, you know, a thousand came forward and left 50,000 in the stands. Did he walk away and say, well, I'm not going to preach the gospel anymore because they weren't all saved. No, he just left it up to God. And so when it comes to praying for the sick, because somebody's not healed, do I quit praying for the sick? No, I go down to the next one in the line because it's all up to him and he will move when he chooses. And he, he always chooses best. Now, The third power gift, and I close, is the gift of miracles. It says the spirit gives to another the working of miracles. Now, a miracle is the performance of something against the laws of nature. Miracles defy nature. They defy natural law. It's a supernatural power to intervene and counteract earthly and evil forces. Miracles defy God's natural laws. The word miracles comes from the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is the word for power. It literally means power and might that multiplies itself. So a miracle is a work of supernatural power that, des, that defies natural law per the moving of the spirit. The gift of miracles operates closely with the power gifts of faith and of healing to bring authority over Satan, sickness, and sin. The gift of miracles or miraculous powers is different, however, from the gift of healing. Those in the early church who had the gift of miracles had the ability by the spirit to do miraculous things of a different, more powerful kind. A miracle is a big deal. And I got to tell you, in the overall run of things, they're pretty rare. I in, in my whole life walking with God I've seen miracles but they're 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 more rare than not God does them but not every day but that's okay because God is good and when he wants a miracle done a miracle will happen now I believe in miracles I believe in the miracle of the virgin birth that was a miracle everybody say miracle I believe in the resurrection from the dead. That wasn't a healing. That was a miracle. I believe that Jesus took my sins on himself on the cross and yours as well. That was a miracle. I got to tell you, I put the casting out of demons in the category of more of a miracle than a healing. Because I don't believe a deliverance is a healing as much as it is a miracle. You got to think, you're talking to a supernatural evil personality residing in a human being has possessed them, is tormenting them, and holds them in its grip. And you come along, led by the Spirit, and God says to you, I want you to cast that out like Paul did the demon out of the woman with the spirit of divination in the book of Acts. And this supernatural, wicked personality that is a minion of Satan suddenly must come out And this person who was tormented and in a grip of God knows what is suddenly free. And that evil spirit has got to leave town. That's a miracle. When Paul struck the sorcerer Elemas blind, that was a miracle. That wasn't anything but a miracle. I got to read it to you. It's real quick. We're almost done. But Saul, because this is, I love the book of Acts, it just tells the truth. But, Paul, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with what, everybody? So he's being prompted by the Holy Ghost here, looked intently at Elymas, a sorcerer, and said, now he said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is not politically correct. He said, you son of the devil. I guarantee you, try that out there someday. You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And I can just imagine this sorcerer now, he is nailed up against the wall. Paul doesn't stop there. He says, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time and immediately Mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went groping around seeking people to lead him by the hand. That was a miracle. So, well, that wasn't a very kind miracle. Well, you know what? He repented. You don't say to somebody, You're going to be blind for a season. Nobody can say that, and it happened, unless it's a supernatural miracle. In Acts 9, when Peter raised tabitha from the dead that's another example of a miracle when you raise somebody from the dead that's not a healing that's a miracle it's a miracle but i have to close with this the greatest miracle please hear me is the miracle of salvation oh no jeff i don't i want to see somebody get out of a wheelchair listen I'm going to say it again. The greatest miracle you will ever see is somebody being saved. It's not as spectacular as parting a sea or even raising a person from the dead, which we human beings love to see. God, on the other hand, is not so concerned about outward appearances as he is a person's heart condition. Because on the inside, they are dead. Everybody say dead. 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 Necros is the Greek word. Dead. Dead, as Lazarus was dead. Dead in their trespasses and sins. And it's God's desire that we use our spiritual gifts to confront unbelief and bring non-believers to repentance so that spiritually dead people can be transformed into new creatures in Christ Jesus. What greater miracle is there than a person being brought from death to life? Lost to found. Hell-bound to heaven-bound. Guilty to forgiven, hopeless to hopeful, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. What greater miracle is there than a person could receive a brand new born again soul, a divine heart transplant, and a brand new nature where all has become new and all of that happening in a microsecond of time. What greater miracle is there? You tell me what's greater than that. There's nothing greater than that. Jesus himself said, this is the work of God. What's the work of God, Jesus? That you put your trust in the one he has sent. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God. Can we stand together tonight? So say with me the gift of faith. The gift of miracles. Amen. The gift of miracles. Gift of healing. Now, when was the last time? Now, I'm not saying you have to. I would never try to coerce somebody into doing it. But my only question to us tonight is this. Are we open to making ourselves available to God in our everyday walk, you know, just walking through life? Are we open? To letting the spirit prompt us are we listening are we sensitive to him so that if he were to prompt us we would step out in faith you know i, I was having breakfast um, yesterday morning with john collier um, who did a great job sunday he did a great job and we were just talking and our waitress came up and you know my voice my voice was intended to be heard I'm just telling you, I have to be real careful because my voice travels like I have a megaphone. She heard me say hallelujah. She heard me say it. She came walking up to the table and she said hallelujah. And I said, oh, so you're a Christian. She said, yes, I am. But I could tell life had worn on her. So I said, and all of a sudden something was there with us because I'm moving in now and I go, Where do you go to church? Oh, I I don't go to church. I can't go to church because I work every day. I have to. I said, why? I have a mentally ill son at home. No, daughter. Mentally ill daughter at home. And she needs my constant care. So I have to constantly make money all that I can to take care of her. So I always carry church cards, my little card, call it a business card. I call it a ministry card has the radio show on one side and the church on the other side. And I handed it to her. And I said, well, if you can't come to church, you can listen to me. Um, Five days a week, well, six days a week now uh, on this station. And I told her, little light went off in her eyes because there was a connection here. And God began to minister to her. Now, the only reason I did it is I felt a prompting. Talk to her. Don't just blow her off. Talk to her. And here she's telling us her her life, her trial, her sadness, her sorrow, her daughter. Everybody's hurting. Everybody is hurting. And the Holy Ghost is in you. And he knows of their hurt. And all I'm asking you to do is say, Lord, today make me sensitive to that little nudge of the Holy Spirit. That if he says, tell them about me then do it. Because hearing all this good teaching, what good is it if we don't go out and walk in it? What good is it? We're just blowing steam in here. What good is it if we don't go walk in it? Amen? So say with me, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. I'm an answer, not a question mark. I'm anointed and I'm appointed to touch people, to allow the spirit of God to minister to others through me. Now, Jesus, help me to do it. Make me a minister this week. Help me, Lord, to listen and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen, amen.